For too long, we've lived in a world of canceled and delayed. No more. Those plans you've been making, they're on. Thanks to OnGo, the number one ranked at-home rapid COVID-19 test. So that vacation where you get to swim with the pigs, it's on. Your friend's wedding that was pushed back four times, it's on. The roar of the stadium, it's on too. OnGo, COVID-19 test results in minutes. OnGo is available at letsongo.com slash radio and Amazon. This product has been authorized by the FDA during the public health emergency only and only for the detection of proteins from SARS-CoV-2, not other viruses. The claim number one ranked is supported by ECRI's usability evaluation conducted in December 2021. Good evening, my fellow true crime addicts, and welcome to True Crime Spirits, the podcast where I tell you a true crime tale while I broaden my taste buds by trying a new adult beverage each episode. I am your host, Brandy Michelle. Now, I will admit, guys, I may have messed up a bit. I'm sure you all have noticed that I have been doing three cases for each state that I visit. However, this is getting annoying for me. It's not that I can't find three cases to cover or share with you guys, but for a couple of weeks now, I've been wanting to switch states because of reasons. (laughs) Um, But I had started this path and I was going to continue it. Well, no more from here on out. I will be covering one case per state. That'll give me the opportunity to try drinks made in different states. Uh, You know, guys, I'm learning as I go, so be patient with me. Um, Also, I am using a new recording method tonight, so it's going to be bare bones, no music or anything or any sounds. Um, I'd have to subscribe if I want to use music, and since I'm already subscribed to another podcasting website, I wanted to test this one out first, so bear with me. Alright, so tonight's drink, I'm going with the Twisted Tea, the original hard iced tea. Now, I remember... There was a, a a meme going around. Everybody was losing their mind over the guy who slapped another guy with uh, the twisted tea. Um, I still to this point I hadn't tried it. I I mean I'm not really one of those hard you know malt beverage kind of person. I stay away from like the micard lemonades and things like that. Um, but you know, 2021 is about the year of new things since we were all locked up with the pandemic. So I decided I'm going to go ahead and give it a try. So why not? So, um, this drink is made from real brewed tea and natural lemon flavor it's Twisted Tea Original is freshing, smooth, and of course, a little twisted. I got that description off the website, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Let's try this out. It's not bad. I mean, it's actually really good. I'm kind of enjoying the mildness of it. I love iced tea with lemon, so instantly that is 
my jam. Can't even taste that there's any alcohol, so, you know, that's nice. Anyway, let's get down to business, shall we? So, let's see. Um, last episode, I just kind of ran through a bunch of different idiotic criminals that were in South Carolina. Um, we heard about the guy who tried to barbecue the family hamster, and then we did a whole bunch of dumbasses who chose to drink and drive in a spectacular fashion. Then we had a little bonus episode where I just kind of listed a bunch of old-timey South Carolina laws that are still technically on the books and you could actually still get um, hemmed up from. So tonight I am actually headed back to Lake Wiley uh, to talk about Lana Sue Clayton who poisoned her husband with medicated, excuse me, with Visine eye drops over a three-day uh, three period. And in all my research for this case, I found that this particular one got national attention. And this, this really surprised me because I actually hadn't heard of it. I mean, I'm from Lake Wiley. I lived there most of my life. I mean, granted, I wasn't living there when this case happened in 2018, but I mean... You'd think I'd still have heard about it, but maybe, just maybe, had I run across the podcast that covered it, I probably would have heard about it by now. I mean, I did hear about the copycat case, Josh Hutchinson, uh, the paramedic who, not too far away actually, had done the exact same thing to his wife just three weeks later. I only know of that case, though, because it was actually covered by one of my favorite podcasts. So, like I said, had a podcast covered it, I probably wouldn't be doing this case. And then I'm sure there probably is a podcast out there that's covered it. Um, actually, I know for a fact a podcast has covered it because I used it as uh, one of my sources. But anyway... Um, so Lana said she found her husband, Steve, dead at the bottom of a staircase in their South Carolina home. Uh, the businessman who created physical therapy clinics uh, had been married for five years when he died. So what really happened in the Clayton household? Let's get into that tonight. So, on the morning of July 21st, 2018, James Blackledge, a Vietnam vet, was riding his motorcycle by the home of Stephen and Lana Clayton. Now, at that moment, Lana had come running out of her home and flagged him down. And the first thing she said to him was, call 911. Blackledge pulled out his phone and made that call. And while he was on the phone with dispatcher... He watched Lana run across the street to the close family friend's house, Terry Floyd. 
and then again she watched the two dash back over to the Clayton's front door in Terry's golf cart. James Blackledge continued to watch as Lana sat on the front steps while Terry went inside to investigate. And when police arrived, nothing looked suspicious, and his death was quickly ruled to be of natural causes. However, it didn't take long for others to see that not all is what it seems to be. Now, by all accounts, Steve Clayton was considered to be a teddy bear of a man. He was loud, outgoing, and adventurous. And he was a great businessman. I mean, he started his own business called Physical Therapy Resources. With his success, he was able to retire at the age of 41. And he was happy to do so. I mean, he wanted to spend time with his family, with his sisters, and with his grandchildren. So, um... I guess he got that out of the way because in 2009, he decided to make a big move from his Florida home where he was surrounded by all of his extended family to North Carolina. Steve was excited to make this move. He wanted to see what else was out there for him. Now, when it comes to like his relationships, um, in one source I saw that he had like rocky relationships Um, I'm wondering if that just means that he had a lot and he wasn't really able to keep them because he was married like six times. And I just think, I think that, you know, when they're using the description Rocky, I don't think they're using it in the right context this time around, you know, because I can't find anywhere in any of the sources where he had a quote-unquote rocky relationship with anybody. They, for the most part, split amicably. Now, um, according to his family, though, he he was in love with the idea of being in love. And like I said, he, I mean, he was married six times before this. Um, but after he moved to North Carolina, he soon announced to his family that he did find someone. Lana Walsh, a nurse from Oklahoma. Now, the two had met in 2010 through online dating. They became serious, they moved in together, and they adopted two Italian greyhounds named Guinness and Stella. In 2013, the two had gotten married in a small church in Charlotte, North Carolina. By all accounts, Lana was absolute opposite of Steve. He was described as loud, but she was very quiet and reportedly very sweet. His family greatly approved of her. Um, After the wedding, Steve and Lana decided to move to Lake Wiley, South Carolina, and that allowed them to be close to other family members that lived in South Carolina and to Lana's son. Uh, The couple seemed happy. Um, Excuse me. I, if you guys can hear that, it seems that my neighbors are doing some hanging of pictures, I'm assuming. That's what the hammering sounds like. They've been doing this all day. I was hoping 
that things would be quiet once I got my kid down. But anyway, moving on. Where were we? So we were talking about how Lana and Steve got married. Um, they moved to South Lake Wiley to stay kind of close to the extended family, to Lana's son. Um, you know, to everybody, they seemed happy. I mean, they were loving and affectionate towards one another. And in June 2018, Steve became very sick. It started with, you know, an earache, and then he became nauseous and dizzy, and Steve's family thought it was vertigo. I mean, he had a history of it, but it was never this bad. And Lana, as you remember, is a nurse. She just tells the family that he's exhausted and he needs bed rest. And rest he did. I'll tell you what. This guy slept for 36 hours. And the family thought that was weird. I mean, what healthy adult sleeps 36 hours straight? So, after this incident, Steve Steve seemed to feel better. And on July 4th, they threw a party at their lakefront home. And all the family came up for the occasion. Rosie, Steve's sister, said everything was great between the couple. They seemed, again, as you keep hearing, they seemed happy, loving, and affectionate with one another. So, cut back to July 21st, 2018. When Lana flagged down James Blackledge and told him to call 911. I'm just going to say this right now. Red flag number one. Police arrived at the Clayton home with body cams recording everything. The police walked through the front door and found Steve at the bottom of the grand staircase with a sheet over him. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Now, on the body cam, the police can be heard whispering to one another and, you know, in hushed voices. And they were also talking to uh, Terry, you know, the the neighbor from across the street. But they were doing it quietly because Lana, she was devastated and she was completely distraught in the other room. And she was just talking about how guilty she was, how guilty she felt for not checking on Steve sooner. Now, according to her, Steve had not been feeling well for the last few days, and he hadn't even been downstairs in several days. Lana said she checked on him around 11 that morning and found him sound asleep. So she made sure he had his water, She had his medications and and other things next to his bed. And she just made sure he had everything he needed so that when she went outside to mow the lawn, he wouldn't need for anything. Like, she would have some time to get to him. You know, she could complete her chores. And then she said when she came back in, he was at the bottom of the stairs, face down. She tried to turn him over but couldn't. And that's when she ran out the door and flagged down James Blackledge. 
Now I'm gonna take it back again. I'm gonna go back to my black, my red flag comment earlier. What I want to know is why did she not call nine one one from the house, guys? Like, wouldn't it have been quicker? I know they say, guys, you just don't know how you would react in that moment, but I do know how I would react in that moment. I know that when I found my husband dead, I sure as hell would not have run outside, and I didn't run outside to flag someone down or run to the neighbor's house before I picked up my own damn phone and called 911. And this happened in 2018. You cannot tell me that she didn't have a cell phone. Because when my late husband died in 2015, I instinctively grabbed my cell phone and called 911. So in 2018, why was that phone not glued to her hand while she made the mad dash to Terry Floyd's? So... (laughs) Sorry, I just had to get that out. That was like, that is an incredibly like suspicious thing right there. So when Steve died at first, the police were like a hundred percent behind her. They believed he really did die from a heart attack or other natural causes. Uh, But they went ahead, you know, followed protocol, went ahead and did an investigation, um, just, you know, just in case, more like a CYA move. And when they walked through the house, they noted there was no obvious signs of a struggle. Um, the coroner, Sabrina Gass, said she didn't believe that he died from a heart attack, though, because his face was very discolored, discolored um, almost bluish. But he didn't have any contusions or any bruising. Um, some some family members showed up. I believe um, his Steve's nephew um, showed up, and a couple other family members came, and they were trying to console her and comfort Lana by you know cleaning up other areas of the house. And when they went to the master bedroom. They found some real bizarre things. I mean, in the bedroom, there was a horrible smell. Steve's nephew, Nick French, who was also a police officer in a neighboring town, he arrived and tried to console Lana and comfort her. And as he went through the house, he made some mental notes and had a couple questions that I was just screaming about earlier. He noted that there were at least two phones in that house. Neither one was Steve's. And she's a nurse. Why wouldn't she have called from one of those phones? Also, why wasn't she doing CPR when they arrived on the scene? Now, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I mean... If she's unable to turn Steve over, um, you know, then compressions aren't going to do any good if somebody's face down in marble. But you, one would think that a, a nurse, I mean, 
you learn how to flip over a body even if it's heavier than you. I mean, I learned how to do it as a medic. I mean, I was flipping over bodies that were at least twice my size. So I I don't know why she couldn't, but whatever. You know, this moving on. So to Nick though, things only got weirder at least as far as Lana was concerned. According to his family, Steve had always had his phone on him. Always. It was his lifeline, but they were not able to find it anywhere. Um, Nick also noted that noted Lana's reaction when the deputy coroner asked about funeral arrangements. Lana said, it's just too much right now. She had her head in her hands and she said, I have no idea. So the deputy coroner offered to take Steve's body to the morgue and run some tests. And on the video, you can hear and see uh, Nick just kind of, you know, helping her make the decision, right? Like, you know, um, it's, he even said, it, it's what I would do, you know, kind of letting her know. Um, but suddenly, she just looked up from her hands, and then she said, uh, we should take him to the funeral home down the street and have him cremated. Nick found it pretty odd about how fast she went from, I don't know what to do, to let's have him cremated. Now, another of Steve's nephews, Chris Fagan, he tried to console her, too. I mean, she went and asked for his help in organizing his affairs, and he asked about Steve's will and was quite startled by Lana's response. She flat out said there was no will, and Chris knew that that was wrong, knew that that was a lie, because he had seen the will. Steve even asked Chris to be his executor. But Lana just grew angry, and she, sa she said, uh, there is no will, like, really angrily, and just went into the house. Stopped the conversation, just went back into the house. Uh, later, Nick was shocked by Lana. He heard her bad-mouthing Steve in the kitchen. Um, she was telling these lurid stories of all of his illicit drug abuse, she was calling him a hardcore drug abuser. And this, to me, this is setting the foundation as to why she wanted Steve to be cremated so quickly. But the family, though, I mean, she, they didn't know what to think of this. I mean, they had never known Steve to do drugs. I mean, they'd never even seen him high, ever. Um... Although Nick, Nick was not done raising his eyebrows at her actions. When he went into the master bedroom, he found some things. I mean, like I said earlier, the, uh, the master bedroom, there was a horrible smell. I mean, Nick described it as human filth. Uh, when he looked at the mattress... It was completely soaked with urine. Lana just simply said, oh, you know, that, that's normal when he's suffering from vertigo. Um, 
I'm just going to raise my hand real quick and say, no, it's not. I mean, vertigo is not that serious. My goodness, to just soil yourself in bed like that. Um, afterwards, you know, Lana just abruptly demanded that everyone leave. And based on her behavior and all those mental notes that Nick had been taking, he and Chris were of the opinion that Lana had a hand in Steve's death. So on the Sunday after Steve's death, Chris and his wife had planned to help Lana find his will. They gave her a call to ask when the best time for them to come would over to do that. And Lana just real aggressively said, do not come here. This is my house. He was my husband and I will handle everything. And then she just hung up. Now, on August 4th, 2018, Lana held a memorial for Steve at their home. It was an emotional day for everyone. Rosie, Steve's sister, and the rest of his family discovered that Lana had given away a lot of Steve's clothing and other items. There were empty hangers in all of the closets, and his watches and his wedding ring were missing. And afterwards... Nick and his wife drove to Chris's house. The two of them knew something was wrong now, and they went to work. They knew they were racing against the clock because Steve was still at the funeral home, and they were ready to move forward with whatever Lana said. And she had the she had scheduled the cremation for the very next day. So, like, memorial, boom, let's burn them. So... Nick and Chris went to the funeral home and they demanded that the coroner order an autopsy and a toxicology test. And thankfully, she agreed. So without Alana's knowledge, the autopsy was done and the family's suspicions were confirmed. She had, Steve had not died from a heart attack. And when coroner Sabrina Gass first reviewed Steve Clayton's toxicology report, there was a chemical found in his blood that she had never heard of before. And I am about to butcher it, y'all. It's tetrahydrozoline. Okay, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> it's a common ingredient in Visine. And according to Demi Garvin, the forensic te- toxicologist, with the levels found in his body, it was without a question that this was the cause of death. What they didn't know is, was it an accidental overdose, or was it a homicidal overdose? Now, I researched this drug a bit, and I was surprised to find that it could be used to incapacitate people. Like, say you wanted to rob them, or God forbid, sexually assault, or maybe even both. Like, it it does cause nausea and vomiting and reduce heart rate, dizziness, confusion, but all of those symptoms sound familiar, right? I mean, so, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> but if someone empties the entire contents of a Visine bottle into someone else's drink, it can attack the respiratory rate, and if breathing slows sufficiently, it will cause respiratory depression, and then death. Finding that out was actually pretty scary. I mean, you can buy eye drops everywhere. It's not regulated. 
And not that I ever thought someone would be murdered with eye drops ever in my life. After this discovery, the police went back to the Clayton home to search for any medication and cups or glasses that had any residue in it. They did find that the table with the medications on it was far away from where Steve had been laying with the high dose of THZ found. They said there was no way Steve was ingesting this on his own, so they wanted to talk to Lana again. Now, she was brought into the station for an interview. By now, she knew that there was an autopsy that had been performed on Steve, but what she didn't know is that the investigators from the sheriff's office and the FBI were listening in the next room. They confronted her with the results from the toxicology report, but didn't tell her what medications were found. Lana said that Steve would take medications because his mood was always changing. Um, oh, she listed all of the medications on the report except for the THC. When the police did finally tell her about it, she said, Oh yeah, that, that's his Visine. He puts it in his coffee every day. Because someone one time had told him to put Visine, told him Visine would help him with going to the bathroom. So according to her, he would put two drops in his coffee every morning so that he could have a bowel movement. Now, it's very odd that somebody would do this to themselves. I mean, not really. I mean, people go through great lengths to lose weight anyway, but nobody mentions anything about him trying to get in shape, trying to lose weight, that he even had an issue with going to the bathroom. Um, so it's odd that they would do that to themselves in that context. But the, what, what it showed, though, her her putting out that story is it showed the investigators that she knew they were going to find the Visine in his system because she put it there. So later in the interview, when the police kind of questioned her about their relationship, she began to turn on her husband. Like, she tried to plant the idea that Maybe Steve had tried to commit suicide, claiming he had a mood disorder and was never really sure which Steven was going to come home. Like, she said he could be really verbally abusive, calling her names like stupid bitch. Now, the family denied ever seeing any evidence of that. And there was no record, really, of him having any mood disorder or even being treated for such issue. So the investigators pressed her during a little bit harder, telling her his death was suspicious in nature. They were trying to figure out how such high levels of THZ got into his system, asking her if she made his coffee for him, which, of course, she denied after some time, she just stopped the interview altogether and returned to the mansion. But the investigators followed her home, where they continued to talk to her and recorded the conversation. She told them that 
Not only was Steve verbally abusive, he was physically abusive as well. She says she just wanted him to suffer because she was fed up with his constant demands. I mean, the police had asked Lana what she put the THZ in, and she said his water. He asked how much she put in, and Lana said the whole bottle. She just kept squeezing that shit in. At this point in the interview, her story had evolved. It now involved allegations of verbal, verbal and physical abuse. She stated that he had even hit her several times, but again, there was no evidence of that ever happening. Even women from past relationships denied any of that behavior towards them. And honestly, this was just her trying to tie everything together into one cohesive case because <laughs> hold on to your boots, y'all. This was not the first time that she accidentally harmed her husband. No. In fact, in 2016, there was an incident where she accidentally shot her husband in the back of the head with a crossbow. I'm going to let that sink in. He was sleeping. Like, how do you accidentally shoot somebody in the back of the head while they're sleeping? Clearly, he wasn't harmed, or at least fatally harmed. I'm not sure. There's not a lot of information about it, but... Uh, given what just happened though, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it was an accident that he survived and I'm not the only one who thinks this. His family who didn't even know the incident happened until after his death thinks that this being an accident is complete horseshit. I mean, originally she told the officers that she was loading the crossbow when it went off accidentally um, however, since his death and her claiming the abuse, she now says that it was no accident and she was trying to protect herself from him, that he was coming after her when she fired it, which I mean, guys, that if you listen to what I just told you, that makes no sense. How can you shoot someone in the back of the head if they are running at you? I mean, hello, like, so after this devastating revelation, police left the Clayton home to go get an arrest warrant prepared. And while they were gone, police received a call from Lana's neighbor. She had found a note on Lana's doorstep and the note contained information about suicide. So police rushed to the house. They walked upstairs to Lana's room and found her unconscious. She had turned the gas on, took a whole bunch of pills, and then she was rushed to the hospital where they were able to stabilize her. So she was treated, released, and arrested for murder and tampering with food or drug product. Lana's trial began on January 16, 2020. Facing the death penalty if found guilty of murder, she pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter. The defense uh, tried to play up some that she had uh, PTSD from previous uh, domestic abuse and 
somewhere I saw that she may have been assaulted before, so she had PTSD from that. Now, prosecutors, they completely dismissed her claims that she had been victims for years of her husband's abuse. And in the end, Judge Paul Birch of South Carolina Circuit Court agreed with the prosecution, and they sentenced that bitch to 25 years. I don't think that's enough for murder, but I'll take it. They were saying that this case was the weirdest they had, he had seen. He said if Clayton was concerned about any spousal abuse, she could have left her husband instead of killing him. And even though she insists that the death was an accident, the family doesn't believe it for a second. They are convinced she killed him for the money. Steve's family speculates Lana started planning Steve's death back in 2006. Sorry, 2016, when she convinced him to move from North Carolina to the mansion in South Carolina. Because according to Rosie's sister, it was important for her to be in South Carolina since she was married to a wealthy man. If he were to die in the absence of a will, then he would die... And I'm going to butcher this, I'm sure. Then he would die interstate? Uh, He would die under South Carolina law that leaves her inheriting the entire estate. I don't know, I can't just, whatever. (laughs) And remember, Lana insisted that there was no will. But Chris is is certain that she destroyed the will because neighbors... Um, the night after, or the day after Steve's death, neighbors saw her start a fire. So Chris is like just certain that that was the first thing to go. That she burned that will as soon as that fire got hot enough. All right, guys. Well, that's it for me. I do hope you enjoyed the tonight's episode. You can follow my page on Facebook at. And we're back with breaking news. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. Make sure to... Jim. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. With Zero Sugar and refreshingly delicious, is Coca-Cola Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? Pick up a half-liter six-pack from your local giant today.